0: Welcome to Ways to Love Your Money. This is season five. We're getting close to ending season five, so we're so happy that you're here. We have a great guest on the show who is a serial entrepreneur, but really it brings it down to the fact that he and his investment team are out there buying businesses and I think for every business owner out there they need to wait and listen to this show because I think it'll be more powerful than you can realize and it'll be a great investment in your business knowledge so that you know what to expect so Maceo Jordan is here with us today and I think you're gonna really enjoy it I think you're gonna learn a lot from it and I think that there's so much more uh, value in having these cons- kinds of conversations because these aren't conversations that I'm hearing out there. And I think it's important for you as a business owner to know what the facts are so you can get the best value for your business and also make sure that that sale goes through when the time comes and that perfect buyer just represents themselves in your life and you have the outcome that you're looking for. So stay tuned and we'll be back with the, with the interview with Ao. Are you ready to upgrade your relationship with money? We created a free cheat sheet to help you discover the seven hidden costs sabotaging your financial success and what you can do about it click the link below to get your free copy. Well, welcome back to Ways to Love Your Money. We have Maceo Jordan here and it's a pleasure to have him. He is a serial entrepreneur and he will admit all of his structure and design and every experience that he has uh, involved with businesses and buying businesses and owning businesses and taking him from you know, acquisition to sale and so forth. So we're excited to have Maseo here and I hope you um, stay tuned and you can't wait to listen to his story as well. So Maceo, thanks again for being here on the show. It's a pleasure to have you.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah.
0: So serial entrepreneur, I love that. It is exciting to talk about that kind of a conversation because I think not all people are created equal. And when they're born, do they know that they're a serial entrepreneur or do they know that they want to be in business for themselves? Or do they think that maybe I just need to go out there, get a good education, get a good job and live my life? So you have a different story there as a serial entrepreneur, and, I, and I'd love to hear more about it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny. So some of it did come from um, studying history. Right. So if you look at America coming out of World War II, uh, people were thrown into business because there was the opportunity to. Right? You had this massive population which went off to war. Everybody else that stayed back is kind of like you know you're the well, you're the last one standing, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Right? If if you're the last one standing, you might find yourself in a position that you either weren't ready for or frankly just aren't qualified for. And so as I, as I studied that and I looked at it um, for what it was, meaning if I go into this with some, with some thought, I can probably have a better outcome. That helped me out immensely later on in life. But my true journey of entrepreneurship started accidentally, like most do. I was a little kid delivering papers uh, around our townhouse community. We had some women that uh, they were retired. They really liked birds and they had those little red bird feeders hanging up.
0: Okay. Humming bird feeders?
1: Yeah, I was getting uh, the, I think it was either the boy's life or something like that, which of course I'm dating myself. Uh, but, you know, one of these magazines that, that young boys would read, and it had a project in it for creating a bird feeder. Well, I turned that into a little business, and I forget, they were paying me maybe five or six bucks at the time, which, you know, to an eight-year-old, that's a massive amount of money. That's a lot of money, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. And it wound up being a recurring revenue business, right? Because the, the project was you create this bird feeder by rolling something in peanut butter and then rolling that in bird seeds. It's like a real magnet for birds. <laughs>
0: I think they had that as a project when we were in school at one point. I, I, I don't no, I'm sure you did. I think they did that. I think, they, I think my kids even did that. So, yeah, that's great.
1: Which, by the way, if, I mean, if they've got a population that likes birds, it's, it's a real winner. For some reason, though, what, what I took from that, even as a kid, was that if I could find the buyers first, okay. everything else would take care of itself. And so those, those two things work together as I grew older and, and got more experience, I think to, to point me in the, in the right direction.
0: Well, I think that that's a powerful message because I have a story about my son when he was younger, and it was these little bracelets. And he was in uh, first grade, and he started to have other people make these little bracelets, and he would be the one selling them. And I got a phone call from a mom saying that, um, "Do you know what Trevor's doing?" And I said, "No," and uh, and she she explained it to me. She goes, "But she's not, but he's not, you know, sharing any of the money with the kids that are making these bracelets." Oh, <laughs> and I went, "Oh my gosh, she's already an entrepreneurial brain," and he was. You know, from a very young age and, and uh, so I think it's fascinating to talk about that because so many people um, there might be people that find a lot of risk in being a business owner oh, yeah. uh, there oh. might be people that are afraid to take on that responsibility so yep. uh, like, that's why I say not 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 everyone is created equal there but you know you've built something that's been very powerful over many years so you started very young with the mindset of creating you know a, a product for money and, and uh, turning it into now finding the consumer for that product. And that is the secret to success for everyone's recipe that's in business. Uh, but how did you do it? How did you kind of figure that out or was that just the beginning of the journey?
1: Well, it was the beginning of the journey, but really was the staying rooted in figuring out the reality. You know, so that, that might be my personality. Uh, and I mean, you know, like Maslow's hierarchy, psychological kind of personality. That, that aspect might be in my nature, but it's not something that um, you know, isn't accessible by everybody. So I think the first thing entrepreneurs need to do is to set out to just know things the way they are in their unvarnished nature. So because of that, whenever I would see a success or read about a success, I would always dig to find out what was really going on. And you know, of course, we, we know about this in the scandal kind of way, right? Like Enron or, or something like that. Um, which those were instructive, right? Because it, it taught me that, okay, you know, Enron, uh, or there's another one which is less known called the, the Homestake uh, Refinery or Homestake Oil Swindle, uh, very much like Theranos, right? So Theranos basically turned out to be a scam. But when you study those things, you, know, you can find out the, the way humans really are, right? So Theranos could hoodwink very educated people into that opportunity, that tells me that there's something about us that you know, is attracted to that sort of thing. Hmm. Now, now, I'm not saying we should all go out and like scam people for billions of dollars because it doesn't end well,
0: no. but
1: it's, it's understanding the process, right? So from a, a business building standpoint, there's a lot to learn from those particular companies, you know, how to position yourself. But really it's it, when you're thinking about entrepreneurship and risk, hmm. we've got to understand, well, what is really so risky about it? If you go to the SBA, you know, Small Business Association or or SCORE or something like that, you know, they're gonna have their top 10 list of reasons why businesses fail. And whenever I would read those, I would think to myself, okay, well, is that really what it is? And Mm -hmm. how do you know, right? So I I got very well-versed at asking people, how do you know that? Mm -hmm. It's kind of my core question that I teach people as entrepreneurs, whether they're talking to an advisor or they're talking to, uh, you know, an employee that wants to do something, it's just ask the question, how do you know that? And as a young person, uh, I was certainly far less um, diplomatic about asking it. <laughs> but in my experience, I found that the vast majority of people really didn't have a reason for the things that they were saying, including mm-hmm. SCORE. So I actually did go to SCORE when I was a young man because uh, they would offer business help. Right? If, if people don't know who a SCORE is, it's a retired or experienced executives that offer uh, pro bono or free services for entrepreneurs in a lot of cases. So I remember I was talking with this guy, you know, he claimed to have 30 years in business and he was telling me all these things, you know, this is risky and that's risky. And once he got done with his spiel, I said, okay, well, how do you know that? And he actually sat there for a second and he thought about it. He gave me an answer that had no data associated with it at all. So there were no numbers, no no real concrete thing that I could go back and test. Mm-hmm. So it's, if you think about business in, in that uh, you know, sort of one, two punch way, how do you know? But then what you need to be listening for and seeking as an entrepreneur is some data. You need numbers that you can, you can use as a benchmark for your test. So it could be how long something takes. More importantly, how much money something takes. But those, those two very simple guidelines will help not only refine a business idea if you're at that stage, but if you're at the end of the journey, right? So let's say you're an entrepreneur looking to exit. Right. It's going to help you immensely in the exit process because let me tell you, if, if starting a business has a lot of theory in it, exiting sure. a business probably has 50 times more because there's much more money at the end, right? There's a lot of there's not much money you know to be had at a startup. Usually, spending a lot of money but after you've got a mature business, the, the theories will abound.
0: Well, and I think that, you know, if we unwind that a little bit, um, that, that whole story is uh, an entrepreneur in majority, you know, situations, they want to build a business, they want to monetize the business, they want to create profitability of the business, and then they feel that they have a value of that business so that they want to sell that business one day. Right. So if they want to sell that business one day, the one thing that we know is money acts differently when you're earning it versus money acting differently when you have to have that money now take care of you. Um, uh, I was with a mentor last week myself and it was very interesting because he said something that's very true, people get addicted to their lifestyle. And it's it's I mean, it's so profound because if they are used to so many dollars the business is paying for for their life and then all of a sudden now the money of the business needs to start to pay for that, um, that can be quite a conundrum. That can be something that creates a little bit of havoc and and maybe it can't keep up with that addiction to their lifestyle. So, so one, of the, one of the things that you and I were talking about is um, if that's the golden rule to get your business to a place where you can sell it, to monetize it, to be able to bring value of it, how do you do it successfully without basically being taken to the cleaners?
1: Well, the good news is it's using those same two questions. You know, so if whether you're interviewing a, a mergers and acquisitions firm, an investment bank, you know, if your business is uh, relatively large, Which, by the way, I should mention something about that. When you hear most people, especially if they're in the government, talking about small business, Mm -hmm. most folks are shocked to find out that what what they mean by that is a business that's around 200 to 500 million a year. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a government de- you know definition of a small business.
0: and that's not really the the, the idea of what a small business is for, for, for the mom right. and pop. I mean I'm a small business. we've got seven employees you know so it's right. it's a totally different scenario. So uh, I think exactly. that I think that uh, that's a shocking statement but I think that we probably went through this experience in the last year with the pandemic. And the SBA coming out with these monies that you could get an economic impact disaster loan or or you could get a a paycheck protection program loan. But, uh, you know, it is shocking when you hear that 200 million dollars of a revenue of a business is not going to be something from a 10, you know, employer or less. I don't think so. But, um, you know, for the most part, that's that's talking to a bigger business. And to to get to that place of being that successful, you need to have great professionals in your world to, to get you there.
1: Well, it's, a, oh, let me jump off from there, right? So you not only need professionals to get you there. So this would be, uh, you know, top level management, probably some middle management, usually when a company crests uh, $10 million it's so weird. How, how all of this, you know, revolves around round numbers. Personally, I think that's just because of human beings, you know, when a business hits that magic number of 10 million, they start thinking, oh, I need some help. So 10 million, 25 million is the next one. And then 50 is usually the, the next sort of catalyst. Okay. So companies that are over 50 million generally have top level management and then some middle managers in, in there. Um, and we could debate for hours about whether that's needed. But when, when that size of company is looking to exit, you, you're going to be approached by uh, firms that are frankly looking for the paycheck. Um, now, some of it's predatory. Uh, most of it, though, is not. So very, very small minority are predatory. But the nature of that transaction, right? So um, if you think about it from the, the bank's perspective, mm-hmm. you've got these, these bankers that are, that are selling your company for you. They've got the, the banker that's going to be on the phone. They usually have three or four support people. And so if you think about it you know, from a business standpoint, for the bank to actually successfully close a transaction, they've got a cost structure. Right? So as an entrepreneur thinking about this, you can reverse engineer what they're doing to figure out not only what they're going to do, but you can also start to ask more intelligent questions as the process is going on mm-hmm. to make sure that there's actually going to be some success there, meaning you get sold for the price that, that you want. But back of all of that, what, what really helps the bankers to sell something are really a couple of things. Uh, the first one is going to be some sort of discounted cash flow model based price. Right, so what does that mean? It means dollars in the future are worth less than they are, than dollars are today. Well, why is that? Inflation, cost, uh, there's all kinds of like logical reasons Taxes. why, yeah, right, exactly. So as an entrepreneur, if you realize that and say, okay, if, if my business is, is grossing 50 million today and whatever, let's say 10% profit EBITDA profit. So $5 million is going to the bottom line. That's a, a fairly healthy business. What most people think is, well, I'm going to put a multiple on that. Let's say five times. So I want $25 million for my company. Mm -hmm. Well, the incoming business or the incoming entrepreneur, whoever's buying that company has got to put a value on that. What's Mm -hmm. going to support that number for them are the the machinery, the literal machinery that you have in place to not only support that number, right? So it's not going to go down, Mm -hmm. but to actually grow. Right. So this is what this is what most entrepreneurs miss is that if your business stays the same for five years, Mm -hmm. by definition, then you're actually losing money because those dollars in year two, three, four, five are worth as much. That's exactly right. Right. So that's again, it goes back to thinking about the way things are. So the the sad reality is, depending on who you ask, anywhere from 90 to 98 percent of businesses don't sell. Well, a big chunk of those don't sell just because they're not great businesses. Uh, You know, it's sad to say. But the businesses that could be great, they don't transact, they don't close because the entrepreneurs, they grow their business like most entrepreneurs do. It's an extension of themselves. There aren't systems and processes in place but more than that, the entrepreneur values that business based on their personal blood, sweat, and tears. The mm-hmm. frankly, and I'll, I'll say this as an investor, I don't give a rip about. It's like, <laughs> it's not your baby. You know, I've got, I've got three babies, right? I've got a 20-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a four-year-old. Oh, wow. Those are not my companies. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it really is just about the numbers. But if I'm approached by an entrepreneur and they can lay out this case and say, hey, Maseo, look. I built this business up over ten or fifteen years. As I as it was growing, I knew I wanted to sell, so I made sure to go to all of my different silos. So I went to operations and HR and sales, and I made sure that we documented exactly what they do. Mm-hmm. And I and I I put those in different manuals and different trainings, so that when new people come on, uh, you know that, that they know what to do relatively quickly. Right. Um, and, and then. You know, I've also got this, this other secret book over here, which is all the potential business, all of the different ideas that I think this business can go into or uh, different lines of business that this business can go into. So you don't have to wing it. Here's, here's all that stuff. Um, now, I've heard that exactly zero times, I have to admit. Um, <laughs> but in my exit, I'm saying that out of my experience, that's actually how I approached my first exit. So when I went to that investment group, those are exactly the things that I told them. And the sort of the cherry on top was, it was like, look, guys, you may or may not want me in this business as time goes on. You may not like me. I may not like you. I just want your money. But if if you do get rid of me, here are all of the things that I think, as the creator of this business, as the one that knows the most about this business, that you can do to make it great, like it or lump it. There it is. That way you don't have to you know guess or you know worry that i'm going to be off in tahiti somewhere you know spending your money uh, and not returning your phone call
0: yeah so, so all yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: all of that wrapped together is what most entrepreneurs miss about their company mm-hmm. is it it's a product like anything else so if somebody is selling eyeglasses or they've got a you know an op- ophthalmology clinic you're not selling the eyeglasses and the grinding machines and all of that you're selling the potential to generate revenue to someone, and so the better they understand what that potential is, and what the potential could be, the higher the multiple gets. So, last last piece is if you think about technology, the reason why technology companies tend to get higher multiples is because the perception in the marketplace is that it does have a higher potential for revenue down the road. Number one, uh, you know, in the case of a business that's going to be standalone or It's the entrepreneurs who started it, built it, they purpose built it so that it could go into a larger organization to immediately monetize. For example, Instagram inside of Facebook or WhatsApp inside of Facebook.
0: Can I ask a kind of a silly question maybe, but I don't think it really is because every business out there today actually has to have some form of tech involved, especially when it comes to the marketing and advertising of that business. And those systems and procedures are so very valuable. Um, and I think that the total valuation of the business is probably derived by that because it's how well does someone know your service or product? And right. that has to be monetized as well. How does that fold into this part of the conversation?
1: You know, actually in the same way. Right? So it, it may come a shock to people, but you really can systematize marketing. There is some art to marketing. Obviously, it's a creative endeavor, but... You know, from the, the standpoint of how do you generate your ideas? How does a marketing campaign actually get created? Right. Uh, you, can, you can build processes around that. In fact, I, I mean, I've got process documents specifically for that. That's so here's, here's what I found about creative people. Um, if you give boundaries to creative people, you wind up getting better work. And, and the reason is very simple. If as a creative, you go into an environment where anything is possible, then nothing happens, right? Mm. Nothing actually gets done. But as a creative, if you go into something and you know what the boundaries are, your at your work product and the results go up exponentially. Okay. So when I'm working, for example, with a, let's say a designer, a graphic designer, very creative. It's like, well, what color do you want? Well, there are 16 million of them, pick one. You know, what kind of images do you want? Well, there are like 15 billion of those on the internet, pick one. Instead of doing that, if you, This goes into the the manuals in a business. If you have correctly identified who your it's called an avatar, so who's your ideal buyer? What's their name? What do they dress like? What's their what's a day in their life? This is in advertising terms. What's the day in their life? What what happens after they wake up? How do they get to work? Are they usually late? Do they stop and get coffee? The deeper you understand that, and and the more information you can actually hand to that designer then the, the less unlimited their brain is, they wind up getting very focused and you wind up finding stuff that just, it resonates very quickly. Hmm. And so describing that kind of marketing process to an incoming investor is very attractive because one of the hardest things to, to put our hands on is the whole idea of sales and marketing. Hmm. Um, you know, it's very much a black box for, for most entrepreneurs. We kind of hope it happens. Well, if you can systematize that, uh, you know, it's almost like minting money.
0: Well, I think with that said, if someone actually wanted to work with you, Maceo, do, do is it more that you're buying the businesses or are you actually doing coaching for business owners to actually build their businesses to a bigger brand? How, how does that process work with uh, uh, potentially learning from you?
1: Yeah, it's more of a time thing. I, I don't spend time working with entrepreneurs to build. Um, well, I mean, in, in a few rare cases I have. It always involves equity. Uh, it, it's a time time money thing for me at this point. Um, you know, so at, at this stage of my career, generally it's it's usually with companies that I'm looking to acquire. Okay. As you can expect, I've got a very weird methodology there. So when I, when I'm looking to acquire a business, quite frequently I, I come into it and and make a lot of these changes. Mm. Right? So in order to make a lot of these changes though, we get all the paperwork done first, right So all the purchase mm. agreement, every okay. you know everything is done up ahead of time. And so that way, say, for example, I take a business, uh, you know, I'm acquiring home healthcare companies now, but say I take a home healthcare company that's making 6 million or getting 6 million in reimbursements. Um, if I take that to 8, 10, 12 million as part of my process, then you know, that gets factored into the purchase price. And so why do I do it that way? Well, I learned the hard way as a consultant, it's really tough for an entrepreneur to write a $2 million check. Sure. They, and I mean, it's just human nature, right? It's like they want to keep that money. They, they wind up convincing themselves, like, well, Masail really didn't do all that much. And if it weren't for me and my team, uh, you know, so we have a little bit of a disagreement on that. Okay. Um, now, I do do some consulting. It's on a fairly limited basis mm-hmm. uh, in the sense of uh, like time wise. It generally happens over a couple of hours uh, spread out, uh, you know, in a two week period. We develop the systems and processes. I've got a very, uh, as you can imagine, rote methodology where I meet with their team, Uh, but it's, it's all very regimented with results at the end. So my guarantee whenever I'm doing consulting is I either make them money or I give them a refund.
0: Well, I think it's a powerful message that you have, and so many business owners out there just don't necessarily know how to do, let's say, point A to point B to point C. They're so busy in the yes. business, but that's probably an opportunity for you too, as a as a, um, a, a an owner of acquiring businesses, that it actually probably works in your favor, so you can build that business even to a better a better brand, a better label, a better um, you know better profitability out there. So. Um, what would you want to say in final here to that business owner out there that's maybe looking to sell their business? What would you say would be the, one of the first things that they would want to ask maybe the right professional not try to figure it out on their own?
1: Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll answer that out of what I didn't do. Um, okay. So I would say find a wealth advisor first. And you, you hit it, you hit it squarely on the head from the beginning. What entrepreneurs either don't want to think about or miss is that, your revenue stream is gone, you know, the day after that ink dries. And so you you as the entrepreneur have got to think about that. If you're living off of a salary plus distributions out of your business, Mm -hmm. you need to understand what it means from a tax standpoint, what it means from a a purchase standpoint, what it means from a lifestyle standpoint. You you need to take stock of all of, you know, start looking at your life as its own business What's your cost of goods? You know, how much overhead do you have? And then understand if you if you do need to downsize, it, how, what is that going to look at? You need to make those hard choices first, not necessarily because it'll it'll torpedo the sale, but it can. I've had acquisitions where, you know, I and I I don't know this for certain because the entrepreneurs would never tell me, but I'm firmly convinced that the reason why the transaction didn't go through is because they ran the numbers. They realized yes, Maseo and his investor group are going to come in here. And drop five, six, seven million dollars on us, you know, and it's not all at once, so maybe two million up front, another two million over a couple of years, and the rest over an even longer period of time. But more importantly, their monthly income is gone. Mm-hmm. So for the for the vast majority of entrepreneurs, they still live on what's called a work, work, money thinking and lifestyle. And yeah. so if you start with the wealth advisor, you'll go in better mentally prepared for the acquisition and you're more likely to actually have a number written down like what you want for your company so when some knucklehead like me is on the other side of the table and i'm driving your price down because it's really not worth what you want and we we at least get to your number then you know it, it gets hit the transaction can go through and that very difficult emotional roller coaster that is a, a purchase and sale of a business can actually happen
0: well, and that's one of the things that I always say, there's a professional for everything and maybe the advisors yep. that you've had up to this point really have, they don't know how to do this. They don't know how to go to that next level with that business or that sale or or even acquiring another acquiring another business just to even make your whole big piece look better. Um, I think we could probably talk all day, which is very exciting to me, and and, uh, this is a a subject that needs to be brought up, I think, more often than not because so many business owners are just kind of going out there blind, and, you know, they're working at it, they're raising their family, they're busy, they're making sure that their employees are there and supporting their goal, vision, and dream, but what does life look like when we get to that, let's say, set age of retirement, or just that set age that we want to slow it down, and Uh, I think sometimes just talking to the right professionals are really, really key, Uh, but get the facts and and, And don't necessarily wing this one on your own because that's definitely how you're going to go to the cleaners for sure, I imagine.
1: So um, entrepreneurs, right? We love to to wing it. And that's unfortunately that doesn't work when you're trying to sell a company.
0: Well, and I know we had a previous conversation and you had said it's very interesting with so many of these businesses out there that are big overnight that someone could say something big about them and all of a sudden they're worth billions of dollars. But what infrastructure is there to support that? And it's sometimes an influence that actually happens and, and that's not a real true reality. And I think once you actually get to the intrinsic value of what that business is doing and, and, and really where that business owner needs to come out at the end uh, with, you know, with the tax analysis from the tax professional, with, you know, with the, the company that's buying the business and uh, also what the commitment of that is uh, for the exit, because sometimes you might have to be involved in the business for two years or four years or five years. And, and uh, sometimes business owners don't wanna stay involved that long. So, and sometimes right. the owner doesn't want them to stay in there that long either. So uh, I, I just think this is a valuable conversation. I'm so glad that we had it and uh, I'd love to have right. you back on the show so we could talk about more details of these things to come.
1: Yeah, I'd love it. Yes. Anytime
0: thank you so much, Maceo. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. As a thank you to all of our listeners, I would love to offer you a complimentary consultation with me, Elizabeth Dawson, and just click on the link below and you can schedule that time to meet with me. Take care. See you soon. A very powerful conversation that we just had with Maceo Jordan. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to get your feedback. Please email us your questions or put them in the comments below. Uh, but you can email us at questions with an S at Elizabeth with an S uh, We'd love to know what your questions are about. Basically, if you're a business owner out there, you're looking to get your business to evaluation so that you can feasibly find a buyer to buy it and possibly Maseo might be your buyer, who knows, but uh, there's, there's so much to know out there and business owners are really in the business of creating value drawing the consumer in to buy the value, and then eventually selling that value to something in the future. So uh, get your facts. This is the time. If you're really building it for the right reasons, do it for the right reasons and keep it all. (laughs) Uh, We do have an audience question. It says, how much can a financial professional impact my business? Well, I think today's conversation um, is extremely powerful. Uh, a financial professional it's about the team and maybe the team that you have right now isn't the team that's going to help you get to the get the business to the valuation that you want um, look at the value of the business in a sense of what you could get it priced for and then also get the right professional team to represent you so that you don't get taken advantage of so profitability 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 but most business owners that i know have always built their business put more money back in the business and at the end of the day they have a lifestyle that they want to still maintain. If they can't get the value from the numbers that they're looking to receive from the business, Um, in retirement because they are still so competitive with their lifestyle, then they need to see what do they need to do to ramp that business up even more so that it can be that much more of a success. So um, get the right professionals in your life. If you're not hearing this conversation from your broker or your insurance agent at this point, it might not be their forte. You might wanna reach out um, to financial professionals like us that are very well versed in the business owner world, um, as well as finding all the representation of business owner mentality experts, coaches, you know, people that help build the value of your business, the broker, the banker, um, those are where you should actually get the whole macro plan from to be able to get the goal and dream you want. So uh, this has been a powerful show. I hope that you really embrace it. If you know a business owner out there, I encourage you to share this story because there's so much more to learn. And we really want to hear your feedback. So um, this is getting close to the end of um, season five of Ways to Love Your Money. Uh, So if you have any questions and you want us to to bring them out in in the last episode coming up next week, we would love to hear them. We want to hear your voice and we want to get your feedback too about what you want to continue to hear more of. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a week with another show. And we are just so thankful that you're here today. Take care.